Yes, you can be seated. And uh, man, what an exciting morning. Thank you, worship team, for your music and just uh, be up here today <laughs> without a pulpit <laughs> and share a little bit. And just as I look around the crowd, just uh, man, fantastic morning to have my family, my, all my kids. There's Shannon Ryan and their spouses and the four grandchildren and my mom, Shurek, and just all kinds of Petros, all kinds of folks relative-wise. And actually also... Uh, Mr. Madden's in the house, too. Thanks for coming. Another relative. And, man, there's probably some other ones I don't know <laughs> who that you are. <laughs> and you know what? Other churches, I see three or four of you. There's Whitcliffe missionaries in the house, Jim and Becky Clark from our area. And just great to see you and to be part of this. Don Bevan, a fellow climber here. I'll tell on him. He climbed Mount Everest. Ha, <laughs> ha, he did. You can talk to him later. <laughs> and so uh, we have a lot of folks here today. And just to celebrate and worship together. And the theme of it basically is... Uh, the wise seek him. Yeah, I think I will use the podium, but uh, put some of this stuff on. They said, you know, some of you have heard me preach. They said, don't bring any live animals this time. <laughs> I brought a frog once, and it got away. <laughs> some of you were here that Sunday. And then I brought a live fish. <laughs> and then I threw a bobber out there and hit someone up in the high altitude area. And they told me, don't do that for liability issues. <laughs> They also told me this morning that, don't worry, just preach as long as you want. Just make sure you're done by the time the Seahawks start. <laughs> and I heard it's late. <laughs> Lord, help me. You know, um, I brought a few comfort items with me. One is my bazooka Bible. I mean, you don't see me take this too often because it's so big. It sits by my chair and I write stuff in it. And it's a grandfather Bible. I don't think, I, I might not even look in it, but I just like to have it by me. Because I have the scripture in other forms. And some of you have it on your phone. So that's another comfort item. And then we're going to have a kid's message. And I've talked to some of my grandkids. And there's many kids here. And they may come up for this. And we're going to do that first. And then we're going to talk from the Word of God today out of uh, Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 15. If you get bored at the kids' time over here, you can start there and read that. And then uh, we're going to just talk a little bit about the Magi, a little bit about the three gifts, a little bit about what it means to be the wise person. What do they do? The wise people seek him. Basically, that's the theme of the message, the wise seek him. And we'll get to that in a minute. But before sermon time, we're going to do kids' message. So kids, come on up. You see this chest over here? It's full of some really cool stuff if you want something free. <laughs> I know you guys had to give an offering, but they don't. They get free stuff. <laughs> and so I'm just going to dress a little bit like a magi. Oh, no, no, don't dig in there yet. Ooh, wait a minute. Shut that lid. Shut that lid. <laughs> Ooh, shut that lid, Raya. Hold that down. <laughs> this is my granddaughter helping me. Hold on to that, though, please. There you go. Hold on to that nice and tight. Ooh. So we have uh, this guy here. I'm dressed up like one of the magi, right? Except I forgot my hat. This stuff comes from Pakistan when I was there years ago for different things. <laughs> and uh, so they, had, they came from the east, the Magi did. And they came, and they were going to find Jesus and see him, find him. They couldn't find him. They're looking everywhere, and they saw a star, like a bright star. And they followed it maybe for many days. And then they came to Jesus. Does anyone remember what town Jesus was in when he was born? Woo, you guys, they, they teach you good upstairs in Sunday school, don't they? Okay. <clears throat> and tell me this. What did the, what were the names of the guys that came to visit Jesus, the wise men's names? Does anyone know their names? No. 
Do you know their names? What is their names? What? What? Parker? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a possibility because we don't really know. <laughs> so, you know what? They came to Jesus when he was a little kid. We're not sure whether he was a baby or two years of age, but he was little. And he lived in Bethlehem where Carol and I got to go visit last year. So they brought gold. How many like gold? Ooh. How many like to eat gold? Nobody. Well, you, today you get a chance to eat some gold. <laughs> so you know what? They came, to, they came to Jesus, and they kind of bowed down when they saw Jesus, and they said, we found the Messiah, the Savior. Yeah, and you know what they gave him? Gold. They gave him frankincense. That's this really good-smelling stuff they use in the temple. And myrrh, which they put around dead people. That's another story. So, you know, <laughs> so they brought these three things to Jesus. And today we're going to focus on the gold. So in this is gold. Can you believe it? And uh, well, let me just see if I got enough for one for everybody. I think so. So look at this gold. Woo now, guys, you can have one gold coin, not two. Now, wait a minute. Just wait. <laughs> I want to make sure that guys in the edge out there get some too, okay? So this is what we'll do. What will we do? <laughs> is, uh, we're going to pass out, but just take one. And if there's any left, come after the service, and I might be able to give you another one. And what are you going to do with the coin? This represents the gold like they gave to Jesus, the real precious thing they had. Now tell me, what could you give Jesus? Give me an idea. What could you give Jesus? Uh, love. Love. That's a good deal. What else could you give Jesus? You give him kindness. Give him kindness. Doran, did you ha I thought you had your hand. Okay, what did you say? Oops, neither of you guys. What did you say? You're not sure? Anyone else want to try? $200. <laughs> okay, is that what you put in the offering? <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. You know, um, so we're going to give you these gold coins, and then when you talk to your parents today, ask them about what you could give Jesus that's very precious and very important, just like these. And we, I have a friend that's going to help me pass them out, and Raya, my granddaughter, is going to help me pass them out. And so just take one and then go back to your parents. This is Tigger. Tigger came along for the ride today. What's your, oh, hello, my name's Tigger. And you know how old I am? I'm 65 years old. I only have one eye and a little bad, look at this. And I was in Pastor Mark's crib, for real. So <clears throat> and you know what? When I go to heaven, I'm gonna be totally healed. My eye will be better in my arm. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm going to be there pretty soon because I'm getting old. Okay. Hey, hey, thank you, Tigger, for coming today. And you've been a real good support for me. <laughs> thank you. So we're going to start passing these out, and Rye's going to help. Just take one, though. Don't take two. You can give, give one to someone else in case you happen to have uh, a... <clears throat> okay, let's go over here. You guys, take one and go to your parents. 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 Take one. <laughs> Take one and leave. Okay. <laughs> hey, come and get some. Just one, though. And then after service, if we got some extras, we'll have them for you. Did you get one over there? Okay, I get one. Oh, you need one. Absolutely. I think everyone's going to get one. Ooh, I was a little worried there. What do you think about that, Tigger? Oh, that was good. It was really good. I'm going to set you down in the front here. You can check on me. There, Tigger's right there. 
So, whew, I love kids' messages, you know that? Because really, that's what the whole deal is. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. So we can learn from that stuff. And in their simple way, they said they can give Jesus love and kindness and their very essence, their heart. And who is Jesus? I was going to ask that question, but I asked it to Odin the other day, my four-year-old grandson. I was sitting at McDonald's, and we were talking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And Odin turned to me and said, Jesus is God. And he started eating his nuggets. <laughs> I said, really? That's pretty profound. <laughs> So kids know a lot more than we think. They pick up a lot more than we even realize. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit about Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 15. And we will not stand for the reading of the scripture today because I'm going to make some antidote talks into it. And it's kind of long. So just sit and relax when we read it in a few minutes. But I'd like to um, just start today with a little bit of background of this piece of scripture. Matthew... uh, scripture that we're going to read here in a little bit. So what is the historical background? Bethlehem, a little town just outside the big city of Jerusalem. And it's maybe, I don't know, 12, 15 miles out there. It's not a huge town, especially in that time zone. It was not a big town at all. And today it's embedded in the Palestinian region. And you can go there, like Carol and I, we went down into this area that looks, and they think it might be where Jesus was born, in a hard rock place. Because what you realize, it's not the stables of the Europeans that we think about in our cards. It was probably in a cave, because that's how they did their stables. And it was also, they had a feeding trough. We see those nice wood ones. It was probably just a a one made of stone so that the animals couldn't destroy it, and they would put their grain in there. That's the kind of place Jesus was born. He was born in in a country at that time, in that place, where the average child might live to be if they're lucky, at the age of 10, 50% of the children had passed away from diseases. And if you lived to be 50, you were old. So I'm really old. <laughs> Some of you are older. <laughs> and you know what? Just think about that. So here where this child was born, they were there for a period of time, and we've already celebrated his birthday, so this is post-Christmas. And these three wise men come out of the east. Where's the east? Well, in that part of the world, this is fascinating, the east is like Syria, probably even further, Iraq, maybe even Iran, and probably not Pakistan, but that's close. So these guys came out of the east, and they followed the star. They saw this thing in the sky, and they followed it all the way to Jerusalem at first, right? And they met King Herod, the wicked man, the wicked king, he really was. He was terrible. History says he even killed some of his family because he was afraid they would get into power. And that sounds so odd. We don't do that today, do we? (laughs) North Korea. So the wickedness of man, uh, actually, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great Russian writer, said that evil runs through the heart of every man. And except for Christ coming to save us and redeem us and drawing him to himself, evil can come into our hearts and we need Christ on a daily basis. So here was these magi coming down to that part of the world. Now think about this. Today, if three magi or three astronomers came from the Middle East to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, they would probably be carrying AK-47s and driving SUVs. Why? Because it's Muslim now. In the time of Jesus, we have to remember, the Muslims did not come on the scene except for 700 years later. So those men came out of that place 
and they weren't Israelis, they weren't Jewish that we, we know of, and they came to find this Christ child that they saw the star in the heavens. And sometimes the day we kind of poo-hoo the star, and I get that, I don't understand that star and how it followed them along and shined in the sky and what that means. But what we have to realize, they were in a culture much different than ours. They were in a culture where every day they had paid astronomers, astrologists in their systems looking at the stars every night. And some indigenous systems of the world still do that. Our culture has forgotten the stars. Now, if you know the name of this scientist, you've heard him on TV, and I'll even try to mimic his voice. He said this about the stars. He said, don't look at your feet, look at the stars. Does anyone know who that is? Raise your hand. Okay, who is that? Stephen Hawking. So you get a gold coin. Come on up after. <laughs> Come on up, Bob, afterwards. Another climbing buddy here. He's, he's sharp. So, you know, okay, think about that. One of the greatest scientists of all time said this. God didn't throw dice to create this thing. Who was that? Give me a guess. You get a gold coin. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Staff can't guess. Correct. You got a gold coin. Albert Einstein. So what I'm trying to say is these magi saw stuff in the sky, and they might have known Malachi in the Old Testament that said there would be born in Bethlehem, this savior. They were coming to that part of the world to see this king. They didn't know what they were coming for really initially. They followed the star. And you know, you can take the stars and you can go back into time and look at that time zone and see what's going on. And you can actually, they think maybe Halley's, Halley's Comet was there. That could have been an indicator for them. I don't know. I saw Halley's Comet once in the Andes Mountains. It was quite brilliant. And if I was someone studying the stars, I might want to go see where that's going or follow it. Anyway, they followed all the way followed it to see King Herod, and they lived in a very desolate area, dry part of the world. And this is just east of, of this area of Jerusalem, the city, close to present-day Jordan and the Jordan River. And just to think, these men came. They were, seeking, they were seeking the Messiah. Messiah is just a big word for Savior, Savior of the world, Savior that would make these things right. And that's what we all hunger for in our hearts. So they came to Jesus, they came, and he was just a young baby maybe, or a young boy, we don't know for sure right there, because you know the wicked Herod, what he did, if you read the rest of those scriptures, we're not going to talk about them today, he wiped out a lot of kids, he was very evil. And so Jesus, here they came to Jesus, and they went to him, and they found him, and they bowed down, and they kneeled before him. It says like some of you that come from different systems and different pieces of Christendom, you kneel a lot. You have benches right there, right? <laughs> we don't do that here too much. But they actually didn't just seek him. When they sought him, yes, and when they found him, you can read the scripture, it said they bowed down and worshiped him. Wow. They found him, but they also, after they found him, they worshiped him. And then they gave him what they could, gold, which is an indicator of kings. Kings got gold in their systems, and that was a great gift to a king. Frankincense, as I mentioned earlier, is a gift that's in the temple went up like prayers in the Jewish system. So here was Jesus was the king. He was the high priest of the, of the world, really. And thirdly, the myrrh was like when they would bury someone, they would use that. Of course, we know Jesus went to the cross. We sang about it. But they, he also rose from the dead three days later. 
and we follow that risen Lord. So all those symbols and all those things the wise men brought to Jesus in this passage. And then when I thought about this, why did Jesus come? Why do we seek him? And there's a classical scripture that most of you here in this room know by heart. It's John 3:16 and 17 I like too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but will have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, we don't memorize the next one, but it says, Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. That's the savior of the world. And you know, there's a great audience of people here today, but if you think of Christendom as a body of people today, it's in the billions, in the billions. They estimate three billion people maybe. You can, if you get bored, go ahead and mess with your phone. <laughs> there's a lot of Christians in the world. I, would, I did a study once, if you said every name in three seconds, it would take you about the, my age, 67 years to say all the names of the Christians if it was like David and Tom and Mark and Jim, Ryan. That's how long it would take you to say the names of the aggregate of Christians in the world. They estimate there's 100 million Christians in China alone. 100 million, that's 10% of a billion. We know that South Korea will soon be and moving towards 50% Christian. And if you want to see a contrast of countries where the ethnic groups are the same, just go look at North Korea. Very limited religious expression, very put down in the area of the faith of the church. But South Korea is booming in the gospel. South America, where my kids were, and we spent 14 years, booming in the gospel. The message of Christ has gone forth there. So this is the piece we think about today as we look at the scriptures. I'm going to read the scripture, and you can just kind of look on your phone or listen to me. I think it'll be up on the overhead. I want to just read the scripture, because the word of God, which I brought this up with me, just to remind myself, is really the key of my whole life for the last 36 years of ministry. has been the central focus, if you think about it. Carol and I went with a group called Wycliffe Bible Translators to South America for 14 years, so that people in indigenous parts of the world could receive God's word. The Bible says God's word is sharp and powerful than any two-edged sword. And Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus said, but my word shall never pass away. What strength we get from his word. So we'll read it this morning as you're seated. And uh, I have it here written, so you won't see me use my Bible, but I have it written here as soon as I find it. Oh, there it is up on the screen. Let's just read it from there. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when he arose, and it, we came to worship him. When King Herod heard that this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now this is Micah chapter 5, 2, I think it is, in the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Jerusalem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. What a liar. Okay. 
And they had heard the king. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were happy. Like, when you guys came in, you're happy to come and worship. <laughs> on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the ch child to kill him. And that's it. He got up, <laughs> Joseph did, took the child and his mother Mary during the night, during the night, he did it quickly, and left for Egypt. And he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son, which is in Hosea in the Old Testament. So here is this great event that happened after Christmas, and that's why we talk about a little bit sometime on this Sunday. And they came, and they found Jesus. A couple little anecdotes of this story, which is very powerful, is some of us forget that Jesus was a refugee. Let that sink in for a minute. And so Jesus was sent when he was a kid to Egypt. We're not sure how old he was, but he was younger. He came back, thought he was going to go to Bethlehem, and ended up in Nazareth, which is close to the Sea of Galilee. And here he came back. You know, just a little antidote. We need to really, for the exiles and the immigrants and those kind of people, we need to pray for them and do our best to love them because in this room here today, most of us are immigrants. My grandparents came from Trondheim, Norway, right? So Jesus was uh, coming back, finally came back to his home area. Think about this. When the Magi gave him those very expensive gifts, gold has always been a very valuable gift in any culture. We know that Mary and Joseph were probably not too rich because when they did the circumcision and the temple stuff for their son, they only had pigeons to give the priest. Most people gave lambs and animals. Only the poor gave pigeons. They did, probably didn't have the money to immigrate or to move down to Egypt, which is quite a journey through the desert. Sinai Desert. But now they had it, right? They had the gold. They probably could have stayed on that and lived on that for maybe months. Who knows? God had provision for them when they went to Egypt and came back to Nazareth. So the wise seek him. Now I'm going to change gears for a minute and talk about some of the wise people I know that have sought Jesus. And I'm going to mention them to you this morning. One is Mother Teresa, a quiet woman that lived her life mostly in Calcutta, India, to help the underprivileged. One of our friends, LaRue Lindquist, which actually baptized all of our kids in the Amazon River, <laughs> had a time when he came to us and he said, I want to see Mother Teresa, this is when she's still alive. And LaRue said, I went into her convent in Calcutta, very quiet woman. She said she did a couple things every day, two things. She always prayed in the morning, best of it, she always prayed at night, gave her strength. He, they asked her, how do you do this? And she, he actually was walked up to her and said, how do you get this strength to do this thing? How do you do this? And she didn't say much. She just grabbed his hand like this. See your hand. And she went like this. Do it all for Jesus. And walked away. <laughs> New year. Let's think about that. So some of you are narcissistic, so you'll do it to yourself but I'd like you to turn to someone else <laughs> and do it. <laughs> right now, I'll give you a second. Do it all for Jesus. 
You might not remember anything else but that and Tigger today. <laughs> so as you're doing that, and we're kind of rolling through that one of Mother Teresa, she was a very interesting woman. And you know, if you've read her memoirs, which I've read some of them, she had a lot of dark nights of the soul. To be a Christian doesn't mean you don't have deep depression or stress or you lose a loved one or you get, go broke. No, no, it just gives us hope in this life, in the life beyond. And we need it in our culture. We need it in our own spirit, in our own soul. In fact, one, one other guy walked up to her in an interview and said, Mother Teresa, I want to change the world. What can I do? She turned to the guy and said, uh, go home and love your family. <laughs> that was the end of it. Think about that. It's one of the hardest areas to show love and to grow and to be connected, right? Go home and love your family. The wise don't just seek Jesus. They find Jesus. They worship Jesus. And they walk with him. The other woman I chose is the Mother Mary. Wow. We kind of gloss over her sometimes in our faith. But you know what? Here's Mother Mary, the woman that carried Jesus, the incarnation, the God-man in herself and gave birth. But this is the powerful thing. At the cross, think about this for a minute, all the disciples fled except one, John. But in the end of Matthew, I think it's verse 25, if you read it, it said there was many women there. Why? Here's these guys that heard all the message, walked and talked, saw the transfiguration, and they all left. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Mary Magdalene, I believe, was there. John was there. And so, actually, Jesus on the cross turned to John and said, take care of my mother Mary, will you? I'm going to be out of here pretty soon. Ooh. John was the one that stood around, but all the women were there. Why? Because Jesus had great respect for women. The woman caught at the, you know, in adultery. He didn't condemn her. He said, do I condemn you? And, he, and, I, and she said, no. And, G and Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then there was a the woman at the well with five husbands. That's a ton. <laughs> And she didn't, he didn't knock that. He just said, go tell them that I am the one and I am the bread of life. I am the water. And you know the story. Mary and Martha were friends, right? The, the sisters of Lazarus. He had these women that around him that followed him, honestly, even further than the disciples when it came to the cross. And then they got, they got their, you know how guys are a little slower? <laughs> when they finally realized he was the risen one, Oops, I almost fell off the podium. <laughs> they told me not to. <laughs> Break a leg the last time up here, that'd be crazy. So, <laughs> you know what? So they actually, those guys, they were just, you should think about that for a minute. This whole thing is just amazing to me. <laughs> Mother Mary, and we know that in Luke it says, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she listened to the angels. She followed her son Jesus to the very cross and beyond to the resurrection. Women were the first at the tomb. Wow. We were in, you got to think about this, guys. This was a culture that did not, did not give any credence to women much. A man in the Jewish culture could say, I divorce you, and the woman had to leave the house. Bang. In the courts of law, the women had no say. They could not be the ones that could give any testimony. Yet Jesus came and showed himself to them first, and it's written in the Gospels that they were the first. It's a powerful example. Lastly, in the area of women is, maybe not quite lastly, is Madame L. Engel. I just wrote her book, right? I read her book called The Stone Pillow. She wrote Wrinkle in Time. 
She was a Christian. You know what she said? People say, I'm a universalist. She says, no, I'm an incarnationalist. I believe Jesus came and rose again and died on the cross for me. Powerful. It goes on and on, these lists. I'm not going to talk about it because my kids all know this, but my mother, Gladys, was just a real mentor to me and one that meant a lot to me in my walk in faith. And she walked the talk and just did the things, even though it was beyond some pain she had at times. Lost her first child, my brother, right? Okay, men, a couple men. I'm going to talk about a couple guys here. One is Min Kai. Some of you have seen Min Kai. He came to Quito once, to the area we were living. Min Kai is an indigenous Indian from the Alka tribe, or the Waroni, in Ecuador. We lived seven years. And so he came into the church. He's the funniest guy. He was older when I saw him. He has these earlobes because he doesn't put the plugs in all the time that hang to his shoulders. <laughs> He'd go great up here <laughs> in the worship band. <laughs> you know, plugs are not new to us. And so this guy, Min Kai, loved God. And how did he come to know Jesus? Some missionaries went to see him, you know, and actually some of you know. I'd like to show you the quote from one of them. One was Jim Elliott. And if you can find it throughout the slides are there, you can pop Jim Elliott's up. It's the slide I have when I walk into my home right now on the right side, if you visit me. And it says, if you can find the slide up there, I know it by heart anyway, but it should pop up on the screen. So Jim, there it is. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. So Jim and his buddies went into the Alcas and were killed. And they were actually, Min Kai killed one of them. Uh. And then Min Kai, the wives of these men came in and they started translating the Bible and they hung out with them. Eventually many came to know Christ. Min Kai did. He became a leader in the church. Min Kai baptized some of the grandchildren of the men he killed. And he was Godfather to them. How does that work? Because the gospel is a redeeming, empowering thing that washes us clean from our sins and gives us the strength to change, even radically like Minkai. And so a few other men here to say as we move along. Yes. Oh, I like this one. C.S. Lewis. Pretty bright guy. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And I got a quick quote for him, if you can find that one, set it up there. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. I love those things. I just saw them on Disney Channel the other day. They have, you can see the whole thing for five dollars a month <laughs> and so you know what this was a bright guy and you know what he said about our heart to listen to this one to love is all to be vulnerable love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken even if you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact you must give your heart to no one don't even give it to an animal flip the next screen i think yeah wrap it carefully around from with hobbies and little luxuries Avoid all the entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. And, but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And then under this is just the grace of God. Except for that, our hearts become hard. You know what? In our culture, we live in a culture today that is beyond amazing culture. Someone told me that if the archaeologists dig around in our culture a thousand years from now and they start digging around, they'll say we're probably the most selfish culture in the world because, hey, I found these magazines. It says us. Ooh, I found another one. It says self. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything is about us, right? And, and really, honestly, I'm caught into that thing too. 
It's about money, you know, get the best money, the best house, and live on the lake, you know, <laughs> have perfect family. You know, that's not the full ultimate thing of peace and resting God. Like I said, Augustine said, man is not happy until he's found his rest in God. Man is unrestful, or woman is unrestful until they have found their rest in God alone. So one other guy here I'll pull out, and some of you have heard me talk about him. Don Tregold was the head of the history department. You can Google this one, he'll pop out, no joke. <laughs> you gotta check the pastor once in a while, you know, <laughs> make sure he's quoting the right stuff. And so Don Tregold was the head of the history department at the University of Washington. I took history, a degree in history. He wrote the church history for the University of Washington. This is in the 70s, they probably changed it. And he also wrote the 20th century. I actually went to his class of church history. Here was an Episcopalian man that loved the Lord. He believed that Jesus rose on the dead three days after dying on the cross. He rose from the dead three days later. And he, this guy followed the Lord in that environment. That was always powerful to me. I came from a little podunk church down the street. <laughs> Generation of Hope used to be called to Home Assembly of God. And I always wondered, well, do people, oh, everyone believe this or just that little church or this little town? And then I went to the University of Washington, saw a guy, went to, had dinner with him. I actually sat down with him, went into his office. And years later, I think when Shannon was going to school there, I walked over to the history department and I said, you guys remember Don Tregel? And they all lit up, oh yeah, we know him. We, we started this, this talk every year on his behalf. He died, you know, he passed away. The power of the people that have followed the risen, the wise follow him. The wise follow him. And there's many more. I'm not going to talk about them, just list their names. Greg Mendel, he was an Australian monk from Morovia that did all the DNA starts of the world. Started the DNA. Kepler, the great astronomer, was a theologian before he became an astronomer. And the list goes on and on. And as Augustine said, we are restless until we find our rest in God and God alone. Well, three billion people follow Jesus. And in closing, I'll say a few things about you and the closure of, what, of this message. Where are you today? What is your seeking? What is your finding? What are you following? Everyone's going to follow something. Everyone's going to find something. Everyone's going to be following something. You know, and so we have that choice. Who are we following? Maybe today, this will just be a light into your soul. This will be the year when you'll seek him. Maybe you haven't even seeked him very much recently. And there's many opportunities. We have the gospel, of course. We have good churches. We have books like Case for Christ, which we give in the back here. I think at Next Center, we might have a few of them. So there's all kinds of resources. And then if you've already been a lot of seeking, then, hey, I'd encourage you to follow Christ like the wise men did. Follow him and worship him and fall down before him and invite him into your life. Invite him into your soul and ask him to come in and be with you. I was uh, messing around this morning, <laughs> and I was just saying, oh yeah, another guy that follows Christ. I don't think you've ever heard of him. His name is Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, he's a sports figure. I get it. Just like pastors, you know, we can fail. They can fail. But you know, his favorite verse is John uh, 4, 16, 4, 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I hope he does today. <laughs> but you know, if you read the context of that verse and listen to some of his writings, I've just looked at a few of his blog sites, is he says, it's not about winning. It's about having Christ in my heart whether I win or lose. 
it's not just the winning peace. It's that we need him. If you read the context of that scripture, it talks about having peace in some really tough situations. So as Christians, we need that. We need that as we walk through this life. So, oh yeah, I'll read this one. <laughs> because this passage of scripture has a ton of stuff about dreams and angels. Our culture has done away with that some degree, but they're still around. Dreams, hopefully, especially. So listen to this one. Russell Wilson, quote, I had a dream that my dad passed away and that Jesus came into my room and he was knocking on my door. You've heard that scripture. Saying, hey, you need to find out more about me. So that Sunday, Wilson got up in the morning. He ended up going to church and he said, that's when I got saved. What better day to get saved than today? What better say, day to get find him? What better day to seek him than today? So, in closing, I just have one other scripture, and that's it, and this is Revelations. <laughs> you got to be careful about that, huh? Yeah. yeah, that's it. So, here's Revelations 7, 9. We've been studying Revelations, so this is appropriate. And why I say this one is because this is my goal and vision. In fact, I wrote... What drives me to even do this sermon? Why? Oh, it's cool. I'm really thankful for all of you that came. I really like those accolades are cool, really are. But you know what? I just want to see everyone in this point in time. My children, my grandchildren, you that are here, guests, listen to this. After this, I looked, John. I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. You can't count billions. Uh-uh. This lived to be a million from every nation and tribe, the Alcas, for example, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, before Jesus. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to Jesus. They were all ready to meet Jesus. They spent eternity with Jesus in his kingdom together. And that's my goal, and that's why I get up every morning just to share the Lord, which could be not just preaching the Bible, right, but just living the life God's given me to live. And in my failures, and you can ask Carol, I, make, I have failures, but you know what? We walk together. No one's perfect except Jesus. We focus on him. And we follow him from this life into the next. And so I'm just going to close in prayer this little piece, and there's a few other activities, but just want you to remember, you know, we need to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Someone asked me, I don't know what to do in life. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Just do those three things, even if you're a garbage man, even if you're a preacher, whatever you are. Justice, mercy, and love, okay? So think about that today. And the other thing was I thought of a hymn. <laughs> this is a hymn just to kind of close us out, and I'll pray. Oh, and one other thing. <laughs> Remember, it's my last time. <laughs> and this is it. So I was promising my kids, especially the number one, I wouldn't pull them up here, so I'm not. I promise. <laughs> I used to do that when they were little guys. But you know, this started with them 36 years ago, 37. So it's so fun to have them all here, just to be part of this event today with the grandkids and other relatives that are around. But I did bring one prop, and it's out by the, it's out by the cake. So the, you know for sure that we lived in the jungle for four years on the Amazon River. I have the largest arachnid in the world. It'll be by one of the cakes. 
<laughs> it's the cake I like. <laughs> and it is big. <laughs> so this is the hymn. And you can help me sing it, and I'm not a singer, so let's just sing the stanza. Here it goes. That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. So, Lord, we just come before you, and this is that hymn we sang, so powerful. We come to adore you like the wise men. And give our gifts, sometimes so small, and other times maybe bigger, but most of all our heart and our lives. That we give our lives, Lord, unto you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, unto you, which is our very reasonable service. And Lord, that we will go from this place and start a new year, possibly spiritually or other areas that you want us to work on. Lord, we thank you that you are with us and you walk with us from this life into the next. So go before us as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...